the second week of the NFL preseason rolls on tonight. We've got two games tonight. The first one is in New England at Gillette Stadium where the Patriots go up against the Washington football team. And that is from 12.30 Friday morning. While over in Philadelphia, the Eagles are playing the Steelers at the same time. So the NFL preseason rolls on tonight on the Irish NFL show. And we're delighted to be back this week for the Irish NFL show. Another week, another week closer to the season happening. Welcome into everybody watching. Welcome into everybody watching on the NFL Ireland Facebook page. Tonight, in a few minutes, we've got Jeff Reinbold come on the show. And I'm also chatting to Paul O'Donnell about the big a few games up in Derry this weekend as well. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, lads, welcome in. Like I'll, I'll start with the last weekend, Hall of Fame. Colin, did you enjoy the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Did you watch the whole thing? Five in the morning? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I actually thought it worked really well having it all together and the, the shorter speeches were, were really good. What I suppose caught my attention was um, Peyton Manning auditioning to be NFL commissioner. Uh, that speech that, that he gave was quite something. Um, it was a, a fantastic homage to football and talking about like you know the legacy uh i think uh you know we'd had uh, david baker on and uh, peyton took it to the next level i think uh peyton talked about he's not done with football i i think yeah somebody may want him to to front uh you know an ownership situation at some point hey broncos country uh or or could you i mean peyton as, as commissioner taking the the game after after goodell has taken it to a certain level peyton raising it up that to me peyton was definitely very much putting himself out there and uh, i thought that that stood out look there were loads of great speeches loads of great moments um the the, the ceremony and everything that goes around it is always more memorable than than the game but i think something for everyone to enjoy last weekend Talking about raising it up, big thanks to our partners, Trust Gaming, who present this broadcast. They've got all of the equipment here as well. Uh, talking about Hall of Famers, Brian O'Leary, Hall of Famer. Uh, welcome in. Good to see your Eagles playing tonight, Brian, yeah? Yeah, my Eagles, yeah. Now, yeah, just referring back to the Hall of Fame, yeah, I, I have to say Peyton Manning's speech was was fantastic. Um, slightly surprised how how good it was. I didn't think he'd come across in that manner. Perhaps, you know, most of his interviews are usually very football-orientated. I suppose for him to have the opportunity in such a tight period because of the restrictions to what they were given because of the amount of players that were being inducted with last year as well was very good. And the Tom Brady piece was quite funny. You know, I know we joked with Mark about it this week, but uh, it was great to see Brady there as well because of the utmost respect for one another throughout the years. It was great to see Tom, you know, going along and being there for a friend as much as a former colleague in the game. And Steve Ashford, like, I'm surprised he even knew it was on. He seemed to spend more time on social last weekend than he did at the event. So that was interesting to see as well. But yeah, I'm glad Hall of Fame is over because we move on to the games and start focusing on seeing our teams this weekend and see what players are on the bubble that are going to make the next step because after this weekend, each team has to cut five players. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's great to have football back. Great to have Mark back. Mark, welcome in. It's been a few weeks uh, What's uh, tickled your fancy over that Hall of Fame week, Mark? Yeah, I mean, Michael, good to be back and uh, um, gutted in many ways. I missed the um, David Baker interview because, uh, you know, such a great gregarious character, such a great interview with you guys as well. Um, 
Look, it was a special Hall of Fame because of the nature of COVID last year. So we had this great combination of so many great talented people um, kind of being inducted in the one week. Um, the shorter speeches, I fully agree, work better. Manning, sorry, Colin, he's not going to own the Broncos any point. Tennessee, maybe, given his college alma mater, or Louisiana with New Orleans being where he was born, maybe. But yeah, he's definitely going to be involved in the future um, somewhere down the line and continue to be. I thought that was a great moment in NFL history in many respects um, with all the, the banter with so many people. But um, shorter speeches worked. It was great to see. And unlike Brian, I, you know, the Hall of Fame game, God, give me pins in my eyes in many respects, but it always is a great moment where we kind of feel like, okay, we're one moment closer to proper training camp, proper preseason games, proper season kicking off. So the momentum is with us. The rocks are rolling. Let's get it on and get the games going. Before we get Jeff on, we'll go around each and talk about maybe one thing that we've got from this week that we haven't talked about because we've mentioned the Hall of Fame game. I enjoyed the Hall of Fame game, but for me, it's Derek Carr saying he wants to play until he's 45. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. He, he thinks he's going to play at least 45. He's 30 years of age. So, um, oh, I'm the same age as Derek Carr. There you go. John Gruden doesn't think he can play to these 35, Michael. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, but if, if Gruden had had Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, he still wouldn't have been happy with, with them. He always, always lands for what he doesn't have. No, for me, it, it's what's going on down, down in with the Texans. Like when you try to end training camp two weeks early, you try to kick the media out. They, that is a franchise who just cannot wait for 2021 to be over. I, I think that they've given up on, on the season, which I think is, you know, for, for fans, that's awful. To, to throw it away they've thrown Dave Cully to the wolves there I really don't know what's going on with with the situation in terms of the ownership the GM um but when you have a franchise that say two weeks early no no media out you guys are out that tells you everything you need to know about what they are trying to to keep under wraps in in that organization I think uh my my watch uh, you know now that Adam Robinson may have a, a quarterback be watching that one I'm also interested to see can the Texans win a game in 2021 it's the Jets for me and Zach Wilson in particular because we never actually got an opportunity to speak with the fact that he was the last fourth round of the rookies to sign his contract and his agent was advised him not to show up at the Jets and that agent has a long history with players that have been in the league for quite some time in terms of saying, hold out, don't return to the training camp. But when you're a rookie trying to cement your position as the, as the quarterback for the future and you're already putting yourself in these awkward situations. So in, just to see him hold out initially, finally got in. And then since then, he's underwhelmed. His performance in the open day with the fans in the stadium was quite poor. He, he only led the team to three points against the defence. And whilst it's still training camp, you would expect him to be hitting the ground running. So... Interesting start for Zach Wilson. And even if you, if you get an opportunity to look at some of his press conferences, he's a bit touchy with the, with the journalists already. So, look, the Jets are the Jets, and it's going to be very interesting. A lot of a lot of things are on his shoulders, but I'm not sure he's going to be the answer initially at the start of. And we've been talking about Hall of Fame busts. Brian's thinking of a bust in a different context there, perhaps. Um, look, for me, like there's, there's so many quarterback stories going around the league at the moment, so many things, and we'll talk more with Jeff about a number of those. But maybe some going below the radar. I mean, Russell Wilson has been upset in Seattle for a while now. He's so upset he's taking to calling out his GM on not taking care of key players like his left tackle, Dwayne Brown there. Um, 
it's a bit unusual. I mean, you can support your guys, but it's rare that it goes above the surface from the quarterback and leader of the team saying, hey, you should be paying this guy. Um, if you remember his uh, former left tackle, the former left tackle in Seattle, Russell Okong, one year got paid half his salary in uh, cryptocurrency, which promptly, I think, quadrupled or quintupled in value. So maybe, you know, he just needed to take some kind of financial tips from Russell and all the left tackles would be sorted. But that's that's intriguing for me, you know, still shows everything's not right there. And look, I'm a Pats fan. Hunter Henry getting injured and having an MRI on his shoulder isn't great for one of the high-profile free agency signings. But what's intriguing to me there is if you take Cam and you spell it backwards – you get Mac. And the reality is those two quarterbacks in what we've seen so far in training camp couldn't be more diametrically opposed. It is almost like the Patriots are running two separate offenses. And maybe that becomes a, a, a thing um, with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. For those of you that remember back in the day, obviously Tom Landry back in the day with Roger Stallback famously used him in a platoon basis um, back historically before Stallback established himself as number one. It has been done before but not always successfully. So, uh, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, preseason week zero is a Hall of Fame game. Preseason week one begins tonight. It's the Patriots against Washington, the Eagles against the Steelers. Four great teams, two great games, 12.30 a.m. I'll be watching. I don't know if these boys will, and I'll try and tweet out that I fell asleep in the second half of last week's game. Here's Jeff Reinbold. In the week that the biggest transfer in sport ever happened. Leonel Messi goes to PSG. We are delighted to make our own big signing for the week anyway. Jeff Reinbold <laughs> is on this week. Jeff, you're no Leonel Messi, but you know, you're 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 definitely up there in terms of our expectations. How are you getting on? I'm good, but do I have to cry to be on this show? Is that like like Messi did? I have to break down in tears and open <laughs> Save your tears for February when it's all over and, and please call you. Uh, yeah. you're, you're on that couch in London. Uh, before we start it. talking NFL, Jeff, mm-hmm. I mean, I was the only person in this chat here that watched this Tiger Cats game on BT Sport last week at like three o'clock in the morning. But uh, you're in Canada. Your season started off. Um, how are you getting on so far? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, we're doing good. I mean, you know, we got a real young team. We lost 19-6 on the road to the defending champions, uh, jumped out to a 6-0 lead and then just couldn't, you couldn't, put drives together, couldn't uh, string drives together, you know, right now with no preseason games and, and uh, a lot of young players, offenses are struggling around our league. So it'll catch stride. It, it always does. And uh, so you look at it as your first preseason game. Now we got to go back out West again this week, to play Saskatchewan on the road, another tough place to play. So we got to, we got to work that out for us. Jeff, um, I suppose that kind of leads um, into a question that, that I have that um, in relation to the Broncos, because you were talking about like the, the lack of, pre, of, you know, training camp preseason, that sort of stuff. That obviously last year we saw that. Now the Broncos, we saw Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback, you know, probably in the National Football League, talk about the importance of training camp to him, getting the reps, getting used to the, the, the team, especially those longer drives. The Broncos brought in um, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, they're now splitting reps between Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, and giving reps to the, the third string, Brett Riffin. Um, we have uh, George Payton uh, saying that uh, it's easier to find a franchise QB than a franchise CB in the, uh, in, in, in the draft, which is why they went with Pat Sertain rather than Justin Fields. 
just uh, you know, as we move, as we move, it just seems never ending this Broncos uh, situation. Just interested in your take on like how important do you feel training camp is for for QBs and and those comments around finding a, a franchise CB rather than a QB. You know what? It's really surprising about the quarterback thing, and uh, because you know, you, in this game today, in the National Football League today, in pro football today, you you cannot win without and win consistently and win big without high level play at that position. And, you know, you look at the Broncos as a case in point. I mean, they've played good enough defense and they're adequate on special teams, but they've been deficient on offense and finishing drives, turnovers, interceptions, all of those things have been, you know, problematic for, you know, for, for that franchise since they, you know, since Peyton, Peyton walked out the door. So, I was I was surprised by that comment. I think you know there's no question that Teddy's right about the value of training camp reps. And the tough part is when you're involved in the situation like they are right now, where particularly early in camp you're trying to give spread those reps around three guys. There's only so many to get every day, and every situation is different. Every uh, every bit of chemistry that you can build with the receivers is absolutely vital. The quarterback is the leadership position on the football team. You know, that's where Locke has, has you know, I think been uh, deficient, if you will, uh, you know, in, in terms of his leadership in that locker room. I think Teddy will bring that to that fight, you know, in terms of the fight. When I say the fight, I'm talking about the fight for the starting job. Uh, I know that, you know, I followed it pretty closely the first week and both of them, you know, Led, led the team on drives and then got down in the red zone and threw interceptions. And that's, you know, for anybody that's a fan of the Broncos, that's an all too often occurring thing. You know, the big interception, the big turnover that costs them for the football games. So it's, you know, it's it's going to be a situation that we'll monitor really closely. I think, you know, Ripien's, Ripien's a good young player, but they got to know that they're, they're going to win or lose with either Drew or Teddy this year. And I think they got to make a choice soon probably after the second preseason game and then let that guy take it through the rest of the preseason. Jeff, uh, last week we saw Josh Allen get his big contract, 43 million a year, 150 million guaranteed six year extension. And um, straight away, the first thing I thought was, where does that leave the Browns? Like Baker Mayfield, whilst he had a better season last year, he hasn't played up to the expectation of Josh Allen in terms of, and obviously coming out of the same draft in 2017 like he's going to want to get paid. Does this put the Browns in a kind of precarious situation going forward? Well, the bar never goes down. I mean, what, you know, you looked at what Aaron Rodgers was able to get done in Green Bay, and then all of a sudden now Josh gets his deal done. Now you've got Lamar and you've got Baker both waiting to have their deals finished. So the agents love that. They slow played this whole deal on purpose, I'm sure, because they knew that Allen was going to set the bar even higher. And so now they can go in and there's no question that Allen has done more than those guys have done. However, you know, it's a sliding scale. And so when you start, start talking about 150 guaranteed, and I'm not talking about 150,000, I'm talking 150 million guaranteed, that's a pretty good place to be. And so, you know, they'll, they'll get paid. There's no question. Now comes the challenge for all of those franchises. Once you make that commitment to that guy financially, how do you keep the team together? Because you got to backfill it with rookie contracts and you got to get, you know, team-friendly deals with some of your veterans. Uh, Jeff, we um, Josh Allen, I think, is going to make more money in his first six years than Tom Brady has in his career through the NFL. Um, so, as you write, is it he saying? Now, does that seem fair? Like, I, seriously. 
And I'm a Josh Allen, and I'm a Josh Allen fan. But that other guy's got about what seven rings on his hand, and you know, that's incredible. As you say, the the bar always goes up. I remember, I think I saw that Josh McCown made more in his career than Dan Marino and Joe Montana and stuff. Like, I mean, we're we're the revenues keep going up, the salaries keep going up, so people are going to get paid. And look, I, I hate to ask you another quarterback question, but it's a quarterback-driven league. And no I'm always mindful of uh, an M. Night Shaleman film called Unbreakable, which featured Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. And Samuel L. Jackson was revealed at the end to be a supervillain called Mr. Glass. There's another supervillain in the NFL. I think his name is Carson Wentz when it comes to being Mr. Glass and breaking all the time. Where does that leave the Colts? I know there's some more positive noises coming back about his availability, but like really, where does that leave the, the Colts, given they kind of you know, banked on him quite a bit and coming back to fruition under Frank Wright there? Yeah, you know, you, you look at the Colts' history at that position, you know, uh, when they had, uh, you know, they had Andrew Luck, they had numerous injury troubles with him. They couldn't protect him. He was hurt all the time. I mean, things like a lacerated kidney. I mean, you get a lacerated kidney, that usually happens in a car wreck, not a football game. And, you know, uh, now you bring in a guy that you think is going to be the guy that can boost you over the hump and he hurts his foot. And uh, again, from what I understand, he's back on the practice field, not practicing, but on the practice field, no boot, no limp. Um, But, you know, again, they're going to have to handle that one gingerly because if, if you know he goes back on it too soon then he re-injures it and now you got a long-term problem plus the fact that this is one of the things that people got to understand about quarterbacks you throw not with your arm you throw with your, your torso your lower body your plot we call it the platform and coaching we call it the platform your feet your knees your ankles all that when you get lower body injuries it can change the mechanics of your throwing and i think that's one of the reasons that Dak. Has have is, is having you know elbow problems, arm problems because you know you come back from a horrific ankle injury like he had too soon and throw too much and your mechanics change and then the load on your arm changes and it's a really really precarious deal. Mark was apologizing for talking about quarterbacks. I'm actually going to go on to another quarterback here and Doc Prescott. He's getting an MRI, Jeff, to check his right shoulder strain. Now, when the Cowboys social team are coming out and saying there's nothing to worry about. Would you find that concerning to an extent? <laughs> so, because, like, you know, when did you ever, what, Michael, what Michael, Michael, Michael? Now, when did you ever start believing anything that comes out of Dallas Cowboy news? I mean, come <laughs> on, man. That is, no, I, I think that that's really a precautionary thing. And again, they got to be really careful. I'm sure he's on a pitch count, and they've got to be really, really careful with him because we saw last year. You know, the Ben DiNucci show did wasn't a long running feature film, right? So they don't want to get back into that deal again. And you know, this is a Cowboy team that I think is poised to make make a jump. And the defense will be better under Dan Quinn. I really believe that. And you know, I, the guy that's impressed me in the Cowboy camp the most has been Zeke. I mean, he looks better than he's ever. You know, he 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 looked lethargic to me last year he looked fat to me last year he didn't have any jump in his step and I think what what's happened is he's recognized that you know you get that big money there's a tendency to you know enjoy life a little too much plus the fact that Pollard jumped on you know jumped on the scene and Pollard's a dynamic back I thought last year 
particularly in the second half of the season, Pollard was the best back in Dallas. So again, having Zeke back in shape and mentally in shape, which is what he appears to be, is a big plus for Dallas. I'm interested in getting your take on the the Texans because um, look, there's the Deshaun Watson situation and and 22 you know allegations there, right? But and the league I don't think has done them any favors on that. But the way in which the Texans have handled it, listing him fourth on the depth chart, he he, he shows up, he's kind of um, but then they have him playing yeah. scout safety. But now you have all sorts of, they tried to end practice training camp yesterday and, and, and lock reporters out uh, when reporters are, are allowed at training camp in the NFL until the 26th of August. So you've tried, they try to lock out uh, the, the media two weeks early. You have them listing guys at right tackle on the depth chart who are actually playing left guard in camp. I, 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 it's difficult to, from the outside, it looks like, they, there's all sorts going on. Dave Cully, it, I, I almost feel sorry for the guy because it's first time as a head coach and you're dealing with all this. I'm just interested as somebody who's been in and around the league, what's it like for you as somebody who's been involved in pro football to see what's going on at, at this at this franchise? And, and for fans of that team, surely it's got to be concerning. Well, I think this is the, this is the, there's a new term in football now and it's hold in, right? It's a guy that, you know, comes to camp so he doesn't get fined, but basically just doesn't want to, he publicly said he doesn't want to be there. And it's a really difficult situation for everybody in the building. He's in the building because he's required to be in the building because he's under contract. He's not suspended by the league. There's none of that. So if he holds out or doesn't come to camp, you know, the Texans can fine him $50,000 a day. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big chunk. So he comes in. He goes through the motions. He does what he's told to do, but creates a huge distraction in the team and something that certainly a team that's trying to rebuild, trying to find a new mojo, trying to build a new culture. That's the last thing they need is, you know, a guy as prominent and as well-liked in the locker room as Deshaun is and the former face of the franchise it's just not a good situation and you know he's but he he and his legal team understand the rules and and uh, they're putting they're putting a unique kind of pressure on the texans jeff i'm, I'm glad you're impressed with zeke i was impressed with him on hard knocks because he openly admits it was his first time ever wrapping a present in his life so i don't know what he's been doing for 20 odd years but <laughs> the baltimore he's ravens he's been he's been getting presents he doesn't yeah Exactly, exactly. Too many, but it looks of it. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, um, you know, um, Lamar Jackson's tested positive twice now for COVID, but yeah, he's still adamant he won't get the vaccine. And there's a contract in the offing, like as we touched on earlier. Like the, the Ravens are saying all the right things about him at the moment, but surely at some stage it's going to get to a situation where he could potentially cause games to be lost because he may not be available. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a different year, right? The, the NFL's taken a different stance. Uh, the organizations have taken a different stance. They said they incentivized players to, to get the vaccine. That's one way to look at it. You can also look at it the other way. Is they, they've really made it difficult for the players that don't get the vaccine. You know, can't eat with your teammates, can't go out of the hotel on the road, can't, you know, have to wear a mask and all the social distancing issues, all that stuff. Bruce Arians has said in Tampa Bay for anybody that's not vaccinated, for every time he sees them without a 
mask on or violating the COVID protocols, it's $14,000 fine, which is the max he can find a player without them having the right to appeal it. So <clears throat> it's crazy times. Rick Dennison, the offensive line coach, the Vikings loses his job. They just fired him. They said, he said, I'm not going to, I refuse to get the vaccine. It's a personal choice. They said, oh, and then we're going to exercise our personal choice is, which is to fire you with cause and, you know, not pay him. So it's, it's, we haven't seen the last of this. And you, you know, the thing that happened in Minnesota where Kirk Cousins misses six days of training camp practice and along with the backup quarterback who's in, you know, in that close contact situation. So they're down to one quarterback in camp. And how do you work in camp when you've got 90 guys and one quarterback? I mean, that's really, really difficult. So it, it has put stress on a number of franchises. Zimmer was obviously not pleased at all with it. And Kirk just continues to say, I'm not going to be vaccinated. Cole Beasley refuses to be vaccinated. It's one thing with a slot receiver. And I love Cole Beasley. He's my guy. But you can replace a you know, a slot receiver, even the one as dynamic as Cole, much easier than you can replace, you know, a franchise quarterback. So, you know, this is, a, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. This is all the drama that we're getting in this crazy, crazy world that we're living in in pro football. Yeah, and, and Jeff, I mean, for our European viewers and everything's worth recapping, like it was in Europe, the, you know, employment legislation, data protection legislation means that they're except for government to mandated pieces. You can't mandate vaccination in the US with the CDC guidance and things like that. Employers can, like not just the NFL, various offices, they can demand you are vaccinated to attend at your workplace. And obviously that's the, the stance the NFL and the NFL teams are pushing to a far greater level. And they've imposed in the NFL offices in New York as well. Right, you know, we're going through the same thing in our league with, with the, the nine teams in our league where everybody's in COVID protocol, every meeting's uh, virtual. The only time we are with the players is when we're on the field. There's nobody allowed in the building other than a tier one employee. Where I just had a COVID test. That's why I was a little bit late coming up the stairs. I just had a COVID test at the 6.15 this morning. Um, that's probably, you know, I don't know how many that's I've had in the last month. Um, we'll go on the road. Everybody will be masked. They'll get off the, the charter flight, get on a bus, go to the hotel. They'll stay in their room. They'll eat in their room. We'll have virtual meetings, get on the bus, go to the game, come back. They have to have a mask on on the sidelines. If coaches in the booth are not allowed to leave the booth, they, they have to stay there the entire game. Get moved it back into the locker room, get back on the bus, go to the airport, fly home. I and mean, that's just, that's, that's the trip now. That's what we're dealing with. Um, you know, it, the league, you know, it's, it's what the league mandates, it's what the government mandates, so we have to comply. And, and Jeff, slightly away from COVID, I mean, you mentioned about Cole, and that's a dissatisfied wide receiver at the moment. We've seen a few dissatisfied wide receivers over the years. I mean, Colin was launching a campaign to free the Chicago one with Alan Robinson and the quality of quarterbacks he had to play with. Um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald during his career have had to put up with things called John Skelton's and Drew Stanton's from time to time and not necessarily being supported. But there's a wide receiver in New Orleans who you can't say has ever had to play with lower quality quarterbacks who isn't best pleased at the moment. And a lot of that probably does stem from the controversy and the the competition, if you like, over the quarterback position there between Winston and Hill. What's your take on the Michael Thomas kind of angst that has come out in the last week or so and, and where that sits? 
Well, you know, Delvin Bro, who played for us and then went down to New Orleans and, and uh, was an NFL uh, all-rookie guy, a guy that we've had on the podcast, Michael and I have had on the podcast, and, and uh, we talked about his situation where he was misdiagnosed with a broken leg while he was in New Orleans. Um, they kept telling him he wasn't hurt. He said he kept telling him he was hurt. Eventually, it got to be a problem between him and Sean Payton. Um, they cut him, and he went back and proved that he had a broken leg. They ended up firing four doctors at that time. So this kind of medical controversy is not new to New Orleans. And Michael Thomas refused to have a injury, like to have a surgery in the offseason when the club wanted him to have a surgery because he was leery of the doctors. And, you know, now we've got this situation that we have now. I, I, I think I would not be surprised, Mark, at all if he moves from New Orleans. I just think that, you know, um, obviously they, they feel really good about those young wide receivers that they wouldn't have stripped that team down of all the veterans that they did. And I think right now, I think he's just so embittered by the situation in New Orleans that it would make sense for both the club and for him to move and, and you know, because, you know, sometimes a change is as good as the rest. Jeff, one final question before we let you go, just to draw on your experience in coaching. We've seen, obviously, in camp, um, and now, you know, teams are, are practicing. We've seen a number of, uh, say, bigger fights, right? You'll always have handbags, but there have been a couple of instances of, of, of guys really going at it or a few guys really going at it. How much, you know, does that impact on, on a team or, or, or is it all just forgotten about? Once, once the season starts, once you're against your opposition, is it all completely forgotten about? Well, I think every one of those things is an individual case, right? There, there is. This is the time when you're starting to get them because they've been in camp now for a while. They're hot. It's, they're tired. They're bored. It's mon monotonous. It's, they're sore. And a guy steps on a guy, a guy pushes a guy, whatever happened. And we, I mean, we saw the thing in New Orleans, I mean, in New York that went crazy and viral. Um, and Judge's reaction was really interesting because here's the thing that I always con was concerned about with those deals and still are today. When they happen, it's not that the players will become enemies and the locker room will get divided, although that can happen. It's that, you know, you got a helmet on your head and you're taking punches at a guy and you punch somebody bust your hand and now we lose you for five weeks because you got a broken up broken hand those are the kind of things you worry about and then like the giant fight was incredible because you look at the pile of bodies and underneath the pile of bodies is a red shirt and they're going to quarterbacks wear red shirts so nobody touches them in training camp now, somehow daniel jones got to the bottom of that pile and you know you think about how many millions of dollars is laying down there in, you know, um, underneath a pile of bodies and, you know, Joe Judge's future, Mike, uh, Dave Gettleman's future, you know, I mean, that's those, that's why you hate to see that kind of stuff, but it's natural. I think it'll be interesting to see when the teams start doing the interactions where they go out and like before a training camp, usually before a preseason game, teams will get together and they'll have three days of work together before they play one another. And it, it breaks up the monotony, it gets them an opportunity to look at other people's personnel, you know, it, it, it's more highly competitive. That is usually a time where you're going to see a couple dust-ups because guys will be chirping and, you know, um, it, it's, it's interesting because the players today, um, like, you listen to the DBs and the wide receivers, they are constantly going at each other verbally. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, one guy plays too hard and a guy goes on the ground and the next thing you know, here you, you got to fight. I, I, there was a kid that got cut last week. I can't remember his name that, you know, in Carolina, but, you know, over the middle took a shot at the receiver and they cut him right there. I, I've seen guys cut on the field for hitting a quarterback, you know, like right on the field, just boom, you know, hand your stuff in and beat it. You're on the next flight out of here. But that's kind of what happens. Hi, Jeff, just before we go, two quick things. First one, uh, if anybody hasn't found out yet, you should really watch Jeff's show. Listen to Jeff's show, Coffee with Coach. Friday night, 10 p.m. after Love Island, Jeff's favorite show with the Packers, Irish and UK <laughs> group are on as well. He loves it. He told me he loves it. I'm, I'm, I'm only joking. But Jeff, uh, you, are, you're, you, you have to go now because you've got a 31 and a half hour drive to Satchis. I can't pronounce it. Such, such catch one? I can't pronounce 31 it. 31 and a half hour drive. Hey, listen, we fly a charter <laughs> airplane, man. What do you think is going on in this? <laughs> no, that's 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Sunday morning. It's on BT Sport, Jeff. Again, two weeks in a row. This must be the UK-Ireland effect. But uh, yeah, feel free, even record it. You can watch Jeff Sunday morning. Uh, Hamilton trying to go one and one for the season. And you've got our full support behind you, Jeff. Thanks, I appreciate that because you know what Saskatchewan wears green and it's the only place we're going to find more green than Ireland than on, on Friday night. So, <laughs> Well, we Thanks. wish you the very best of luck and uh, not just this weekend, Jeff, but for the rest of the CFL season as well. Thanks Billy, man, for coming on. Great talking to you guys and keep doing a great job. I love watching your show. And that was our friend, Jeff Ryan. Well, Jeff flying at, in the CFL. So we went from the NFL to the CFL. Now we're looking at the local game. You got the Donaghy Group Invitational Cup finals this weekend. I want to say finals. And it's in Derry as well. And delighted to welcome in Paul O'Donnell back to the show. Paul QB for the yes. Vipers. Uh, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. Guys, thanks for having me on again, too. Uh, I always enjoy coming on to the, the lads. I know you, you guys are like superstars, sorry, like, you know, so <laughs> I feel uh, privileged to get on. But uh, no, it's great. It's great to, to get a chance to chat about uh, local football as well, too. Um, yeah, this Sunday we have the final, the finals, the, the, the third place game and then the finals in the afternoon of the Donaghy Group Invitational Cup. It's been, it's been good. It's been, it's been brilliant. Actually, it's been very, very good. Um, the four teams ourselves, the Andron Jets, the Causeway Giants and the, the Northern Ireland Razorbacks, we sort of we just pulled our sort of resources and, and heads together and came up with this uh, because it was looking like a season with no competition whatsoever uh, because of COVID, the, the lovely COVID. So uh, we've there's a lot of work behind the scenes to, to get this up and running. And there's a lot of really, really, really good work going on uh, and some really great uh, games we've had over the, the last was it six weeks. There's been this is the fourth sort of set. So. And the final, um, well, in third place, it's it's Causeway Giants versus the the NA Razorbacks. That's at, at um, I think it's eleven o'clock, eleven o'clock on Prahan and Derry. And uh, the final then in the afternoon is between ourselves, Donegal Derry Vipers, and the uh, Antrim Jets. So fantastic, two fantastic games coming about. Um, apparently, there is some sort of star quarterback. Uh, and I, I've just put a target on myself for saying that. Um, so uh, looking, looking forward to it. It's, it's probably the first time in the last four years that we've had American football in Derry. We lost our sort of pitch a few years ago because of floods and all that stuff. So we had to move outside of Derry. So this is our first chance 
getting back at it. So really looking forward to it. We've cheerleaders, we've all sorts. We have the the, the domestic game coming down, um, doing a wee bit of commentating and all that sort of stuff. So it should be a good day. It should be, but a but a razzmatazz. Yeah, it certainly uh, sounds like it, Paul. And, and look, the, the local game, it's always good to, to get out and, and support it. And uh, you know what? It will probably be more competitive than the uh, NFL preseason fixtures that will take, take place. Um, for, for people, I suppose, like who, who are interested or watching this, who are interested in going down, is there, is there a cost to, to, go in, to, to go in? Or like what, what, uh, what, what's involved for people who want to go and see it, Paul? No, no cost whatsoever, Colin. So it's look, it's it's an event. It's it's something that we needed, I suppose, over the last year and a half because we've just been bamboozled with the whole sort of COVID situation, and it's it's just a wee bit of not to sound too sort of dramatic, but it's a wee bit of but a light and and sort of dark times, like you know. Obviously, we, we do have to adhere to the, the, the uh, social distancing rules. Um, so we're, we're, we're minimizing, we're trying to sort of restrict the amount of people we can get there. But look, as, as long as it's uh, a good day and people are sort of sensible, if they can wear masks, that would be great, uh, or just keep the social distance. And so hopefully we can put on a good show and make it all worthwhile. Paul, the last time we spoke to you, you were, you were explaining that you were taken back by the, the amount of I suppose new players that are looking to join the league and, and the, the level of interest has gone surpassing your expectations. Is there many players involved in these two games at the weekend that are, are new to the game? Well, I know from, from our own taper with, with the, the Vipers, we have about, I would say there's about five or six guys we have who are all rookies. We have one guy who is, he's an American guy and he is an absolute beast. Uh, so it was second nature to him. Few other guys never played it in their lives. Uh, just took the notion, saw um, the the opportunity, saw it on Facebook. One guy I actually sort of reached out to, and the the gym, which was at the time a wee bit creepy, but look, he's he's playing now. Um, but yeah, they they love it. They they they've got the bug. Do you know what I mean, uh, Brian? They're 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 they bought on. They bought on as simple as that, and they're doing really good at it too. Um, the amount of talent that's out there and the amount of talent that's still out there that, that maybe as a league in the AFA we haven't even seen or uh, got any sort of snuff off is unbelievable. And, you know, from a league perspective and from a local perspective from the, the Vipers and the other three teams, we are reaching out and we are trying to sort of recruit and get more people in. So just on a, a side from the, the, the Donegal Dairy Vipers side of things, we will be recruiting, starting to recruit again now, probably around October time. So keep an eye on, on the, the, the social medias and that sort of stuff. We do also have the flag coming up and we're also developing youth, uh, which the youth will start in October, as far as I believe, and the flag is starting now in September. So again, keep an eye out. Um, it's a great sport to get on there because there's essentially a position for everyone, all shapes, all sizes, all fitnesses, uh, so many different positions with so many different sets of skills are needed. Personally, I've gone from a, a defensive end to a QB. So, and I'm, well, we're not getting to my age, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken anyway. <laughs> uh, obviously, Paul, with the NFL season coming up in the next few weeks, it's, it's a good time to go to the games of the weekend. But yeah. have you used any plans or even AFI as a whole for, for both North and South for, for the rest of the season? Or is it very much have this and maybe see what's happening down the road or are you going to focus on flag for the rest of the year? 
Well, at the, the, the focus on the, the sort of competitive side will be the flag. So we'll have the flag for September, October. Uh, there has been recently uh, flag games in Wales and summer shields that that Robbie Caldwell has, has sorted out. So they've gone fantastic. We have a, a whole lot of new teams have just come in. Um, we're going down the official routes as in the, 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 the league format now in September for flag. Youth's coming up in uh, October. Uh, Bill Doherty's done a great job in that as well too. But there are teams who have, and, and we like to think that us, our four teams here and the, the Donaghy group, Invitational Cup, we like to think we started a wee bit of a trend where we have, like this weekend, I believe the the Trojans, Belfast Trojans are playing the the um, I was going to say the Dallas Cowboys, but it's the Craig Haven Cowboys, um, and we have a few other teams further on down south. Obviously, because of the COVID regulations and the relaxation and that, they're looking at setting up we many tournaments, I suppose it is. Uh, so there's a lot of activity from that side of stuff, um, but. Constantly, the, the key and the main thing is getting the game up and running again, getting the sort of the guys out on the, the, the field and playing the game they love. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job on that, Paul. And look, kudos to, to you and to, to all involved. It sounds like that the weekend will be fantastic and that there are plans, you know, uh, you know, to, to continue uh, and the flag side of things. And for anyone watching, if you do want to get involved or you even just want to go along and watch, definitely encourage you to do that because it is great that we have uh, the sport actually being played on the island. So look, uh, kudos, Paul, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you on again in the not too distant future. And we'll, you'll, you'll be talking about how you're traveling down to Limerick to take on the, the Vikings down there or something like that. That, that could be a few years off yet because they're they're at the Shamrock Bowl. But you know, you know, if you don't think big, you'll never get there. So yeah, maybe in two years' time, Colin, we'll we'll pencil that on. Hopefully. Oh uh, well, look, we we were talking to to the Rooneys the other day about yeah. having a, an NFL uh, game in in Dublin, and we were talking a decade time. You gotta gotta think big on these things. You do, you do one hundred percent. That's the only way you get things done.